Revenue Rhino. I'm Brad Hammond, and this is the Lifelong Customer Podcast. We're interviewing successful sales and marketing leaders and discussing ways in which they're building lifelong relationships with their customers. Welcome to the Lifelong Customer Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Hammond, and today I have Elizabeth Moore from AgriWeb. Elizabeth, really nice to have you on. Thank you. Nice to be on. I'm really excited. So tell me a bit about yourself and about your company. Sure. So like you said, my name is Elizabeth or Liz Moore. I go by both. And I am the vice president of global marketing at a company called AgroWeb. And what we do at AgroWeb, it's really interesting. It is a SaaS company dedicated to ranchers and farmers and livestock supply chain players globally. And we really talk about ourselves as a digital livestock management solution that's designed to keep our industry's eyes on the horizon and not the rearview mirror. So we work with single farms and fully integrated livestock supply chains, family ranches, large multi-farm ranches. And what we do is we help enterprising producers and industry players really visually connect or visualize, connect, and leverage data that they already have to be able to run their businesses more profitably, more efficiently, and more sustainably. And we have about 7,000 ranchers and farmers across the globe who are currently working with us. And we're just starting to get started in the enterprise space as well. Wow, that's really cool. So very cool space to be in. What does marketing look like specifically in this space? What are some things you're focused on, all that sort of stuff? Yeah, it's surprisingly similar to industries outside of farming and ranching, which I think people always find interesting. You know, the same uh, experiments and channels and tests you might try with any other type of audience member who is engaging with a software as a service product can be applied to farmers and ranchers as well. They're incredibly savvy, data-hungry individuals who aren't just, you know, managing cows and sheep in their land. They're running incredibly sophisticated and intelligent intelligent and sensitive businesses. And so a lot of the things that we do in marketing with these farmers and ranchers, first and foremost, is coming in from an angle of us letting them know that we understand them. We're actually Mm. founded by several fourth and fifth generation ranchers. So we aren't your typical, you know, Valley company coming in thinking that we can, you know, save the world and revolutionize tech for farmers and ranchers because they don't know how to. We really come in respecting that they are the expert players in this space. And what we can do is use our own team and our knowledge of farming and ranching and our knowledge of software and data to create solutions that are going to serve them. So again, I'd say first and foremost, we come in from that aspect, letting them know who we are and trying to listen as much as possible. Some of the main things that we do with marketing, of course, you know, free trials and demos and letting them actually explore the product for themselves. But we run a ton of education and content-driven marketing too. So Mm. a lot of what we do are guides that compile information, not just from us, but from all of the livestock leaders we work with on ways to move your business forward. You know, what does innovative farming and ranching look like these days? And how can you leverage new opportunities, new strategies, new tactics to move your own business forward? And we also really love to do live panels. And almost always those live panels actually feature our own clients and users so they can share their knowledge with our larger network of you know, uh, worldwide farmers and ranchers versus us just coming on and telling them what we know. And again, we try to avoid wherever possible anything that comes off is preaching or telling the experts in the space what to do because we really look to them to guide the conversation and we design solutions and then market them around what they say, what they know, and what they tell us they want. 
I love that. That's very cool. And what would you say is your big focus right now? What are some of the things you're thinking about and maybe some of your challenges at this point? I know marketing has changed a lot over the last couple of years with everything going on. And how is that applied maybe to this space? And what are some of those things that are really on your radar right now? Absolutely. I think the biggest one is that we're getting back into live events, which is really, really exciting. We are an Australia-based company. And so unfortunately, right now, Australia is in lockdown mode. And so that's going to be a later activation for our, our marketing team in Australia. But here in the United States, and also a bit more slowly in the UK, because they're also you know dealing with some sharp curves with COVID, um, but especially in the US, we are moving into to in-person events again, which is so exciting. We spent the last year, like many companies, learning how to navigate events in the virtual space. We learned a lot. It was amazing to see how many people wanted to come in and connect virtually and hear from farmers and ranchers around the world and livestock experts and leaders. But we also see right now, I think a lot of marketers see this, there's such a craving to be able to have that Mm -hmm. human connection again. And so We're being really safe wherever we go into these events live, but we're absolutely starting to look at conferences that are back on the schedule. We have the National Cattlemen's Beef Association CattleCon event coming up in August. We're actually headed to a regional event in Texas in just a couple days. So that's been a really big thing that we're focused on. And I think something else that's been really interesting for us in the past year is just navigating going global. You know, we have gone from an Australian-based company to a company that headquartered or had headquarters in Australia and the UK to now a company that has a really thriving presence in the United States. So figuring out not only how to go to market in different regions, but how to take a primary, really powerful brand message and not lose the essence of that message, but still regionalize it and tailor it to different geographies to really hit on what's important to a farmer in Australia or the UK. And that's why you hear me say farmers and ranchers. It's ranchers that we talk to in the United States. And and again, take that message and figure out how to keep who we are, but also how to meet people where they are in each of those countries. So globalization slash regionalization, and then getting back into live events are probably the two big things we're excited about and focused on right now. I love that. Very cool. How are you approaching these events? Are you still maintaining like a hybrid structure and virtual ones and then some in person or what's been the game plan there for you guys? That's a great question. So absolutely hybrid just because of some of the, you know, especially the the regional caveats that we have to work with right now with who can safely have an event and who's a little bit further away. And, you know, as we dive into having a live booth at these conferences, we're absolutely still staying virtual in many ways. And we're using what's worked in the past year and keeping that. So some good examples, we're still running panels and webinars, and we see that people want to be able to come into these, but we also know there's a bit of Zoom fatigue happening. So what we're doing there is we're pushing these recordings through paid advertising, through content marketing, through organic social more frequently too. So people don't feel like they have to go into a Zoom to watch something and they can view it on their own time. When we are going into in-person events as well, we're leaning heavily into, you know, what we were doing before, but live tweeting, live streaming, being able to broadcast what we're doing on the ground back to anybody and everyone that might not have felt safe attending the event, because there's a lot of people who don't yet, and you need to respect that and be really empathetic to that. 
And also, again, just making sure that all of this content that we're capturing live is available digitally after the fact. I think a really cool learning I've had as a marketer in the past year is how much I think I kind of uh, had an oversight with how great it is to capture live content and then push it digitally post, mm-hmm. you know, post event after the fact. We were never really thinking about that. COVID forced us to think only in virtual terms. And now it's really cool to go back live. But have that great thinking ingrained in us that we need to take all of that content and constantly push it back into the asynchronous, you know, virtual space. So everybody can connect when it's safe for them, when it's convenient for them, when it's the right time for them. I love that. And when we talk about pushing that content to all the different spaces and channels and all this, where does that content tend to go? Where are you pushing it out to? What are all those channels and all those places? That's a great question. So, you know, we use standard social channels and we've got our our standard owned website properly, like most companies are probably familiar with. But for our target audience, a couple areas that work really well for us are not private, but are our users and members. Anyone can join if they'd like to Facebook channel. So that's been an amazing space for us. A lot of the people in that, in that Facebook group are existing users. You do not have to be to join it but we repurpose and we share and create conversations around a lot of our content specifically within that Facebook group, just to give people a deeper dive and let them all talk about what they think in a space where there's shared minds and shared interests and shared expertise. We also really lean heavily into Facebook and LinkedIn groups across the world that aren't owned or created by us. There is so much rich conversation between livestock leaders in those groups. And so when we feel it's valuable or it brings something to the table and it's not just, you know, barfing marketing, just trying to get our name out there, we'll oftentimes share recordings or updates about events that are coming up or have already happened. So people can engage there. Those have been really great spaces for us. And then we maintain really strong relationships with our industry partners. So whether those are media partners, whether those are partners with whom we integrate, we share all of our content with them whenever we can so they can share out to their audiences and communities. And I'd say it's a two-pronged benefit. We're able to share knowledge and learn from one another with a broader audience, leveraging those partners. But also we can leverage those larger audience to learn what works and what doesn't. So if people are really responding to, for example, the most recent Carbon webinar we had where we pushed out that recording after the fact and we got tons of downloads, tons of views, tons of questions about how they can learn more. We say, hey, we'll lean into this topic and keep serving our partners and our own audience with this type of information. And if we push things out to our partners and it's lukewarm and no one really cares, we say, hey, we'll stop this and make sure that we're only sending you guys again things that are useful. So it's awesome in terms of a focus group. And it's awesome in terms of being able to share stuff that people care about to a broadest possible audience. I love that. That's such great insight. Well, as we wrap up here, what advice do you have for other marketing leaders out there listening right now? What words of wisdom, key takeaways, advice would you have? This is, I would say, probably very cliched and nothing new that anyone's not heard at this point, but just test and experiment and don't be afraid to fail. I think that 
fear of failure and wanting to play it safe and to guarantee your wins is something that I have had to train myself out of and that I see a lot in our industry. And I think the more you can embrace failure and how much you can learn from failure, the better. And it makes the wins when you experiment all that much sweeter when you hit on something that does work. And it makes you appreciate the fails because you stop looking at them as, you know, falling short or not doing your job. And instead you start looking at them as what did I learn and how can I do better next time? So I'd say just experiment, fail, be excited about failing and learn from it and try to do better or learn better the next time. And then share that out with everybody else in the marketing community, because it's, it's how we all learn. It's how we learn to best serve who we're serving. That's amazing. I love that advice. Well, on that note, thanks so much for joining the podcast and sharing all your wisdom, insights, and advice here. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. This is fun. Thank you for having me. Thanks.